Turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John. We may spend a couple Sunday evenings here in this book and just examining some things out of this wonderful epistle. 1 John, we will tonight just a little bit of introduction to the book, dealing with what I want to title our time tonight is Facts About Fellowship. Facts About Fellowship. We all enjoy fellowship, do we not? We all enjoy fellowship, and you can have the best fellowship, and really you can only have true fellowship with those who you have something in common with. When we come to the scriptures, the Bible talks about fellowship, and the one that we are to have a common bond, things that we have in common with is that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So facts on fellowship, how do we have fellowship with the Lord? And I'm thankful that we can. Every individual here tonight, every born-again child of God, I want us to understand that this is a wonderful privilege to have a fellowship with our Lord and Savior, to walk hand in hand, to have His Word, to have His love letter in our hands and to have it readily and to be able to come to church and to be able to worship. It's all about fellowship. And that's what this epistle that John has written is all about, and, and he talks a lot about fellowship, and so we'll look at this tonight. He, he emphasizes this great importance of fellowship. It, it's, uh, it's not only something that we should have, but it ought to be something that we should long for, but I, I want us to understand also it's something that Christ longs for from us. It's not a one-sided thing. I remember we were kids in, in high school, uh, in, in, in grade school and you, if it was a, a situation with the, you thought that there was a, 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 a young girl or a young boy that you, that you thought that you liked, that you had a little bit of a crush on. And, and I don't know if you guys did this. We're in Chilhowee. We didn't, we just weren't very sophisticated. But I remember, I know that sometimes you would put a little thing that says, I like you, do you like me, check yes or no. And then you'd send that and send it by about three friends so that they didn't know if you, where it really came from. And you'd, the devastation was if you'd got back a no. Oh. That was awful. You know, your life was sent into a tailspin and life would never be the same. Warped forever because of that. We don't have to do that with our Lord. He invites us. He longs and that's why he came to this earth. So that he might have this fellowship with us. Look with me in the epistle of 1 John chapter number 1. Begin reading in verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, we've seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen, and heard, and declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. John, the, the apostle, disciple of Jesus Christ, the apostle, uh, church 
uh, uh, just a, a, a stalwart in the faith and, and had so many things to say. And he deals with this matter of fellowship. John, we know the penman of this particular book. And he wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote uh, the Gospel of John that we spent some time in this morning. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he wrote Revelation, wonderful books and dealing with Fellowship, And I think we can find it all uh, in these particular books. We noted this morning when Jesus was dealing with Peter and he says, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. The idea there again is fellowship and the Lord wants that fellowship with us. As we consider the, the books that John has written, we find some key verses out of these books. If we take the key verses out of the gospel of John, we, it could be this, and I think it is. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, But these are written, this is the goal, this is the purpose, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John spends 14 verses out of chapter number 1 telling us who Jesus Christ is. He is the light that's come into the world. And then he spends the rest of the entire book, 20 chapters, proving to us through the life of Jesus Christ that he is in fact the Christ. He is in fact the Son of God. He mentions it and he lays out the details there. And we come to the purpose and the writing of these epistles of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. We find in this epistle, and we could call it the, the proclamation of fellowship. The proclamation of fellowship. If we go to the book of 2 John, we could label that and, and put a label on that one. It'd be the limitation of fellowship. It's limited, and it's limited. And if we were to look for a key verse, we could pull out out of 2 John, verse number 10. If you want to look at that with me, please. 2 John, verse number 10. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. The issue here is the limitation of fellowship, the proclamation. He tells us how to have it. And then in 2 John, there's a limitation to it. You can only walk so long with somebody you don't agree with. But when it comes to fellowship, biblical fellowship, there's this matter of doctrine. Uh, the right doctrine, Bible doctrine. When we come to the, the small letter of Third John, there's the expectation of fellowship. The expectation of fellowship. If you look at that little small book there, only... Uh, 14 verses, you call it a book, it's a letter, 14 verses here. But we see the expectation. What are the expectations of fellowship? If you're in a friendship with someone, there are things that you expect. They expect of you and you expect of them. We find these things mentioned out of Third John. He mentions this idea of truth. To have fellowship, it has to be centered around truth, Bible truth. He mentions In verse number 1, whom I love in the truth. Verse number 3, and rejoicing greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as thou walkest in the truth. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. He goes on to say in verse number 8, 
We therefore ought to receive such that you might uh, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. He mentions it again out of verse number twelve. He uh, uh, two times he mentions truth there. The expectation of fellowship. We ought to expect people that we have fellowship to have a truthful fellowship. It's not based on lies. It's not based on, uh, on deception or anything like that. He also mentions faithfulness here. And he mentions love. And we see this idea of fellowship. If we look at a key verse out of the book of Revelation that John gave us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we could go to uh, chapter 22 and verse number 17. And here again, we see the idea of fellowship. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Here again, we see the whole entire picture. The idea here is of fellowship. Fellowship. It's all in John's writings here. And in this epistle of 1 John, I think we can pull out four things Tonight with regards to fellowship. What is it? And what kind of fellowship are we to have? And this is the first epistle of, uh, first chapter rather of, of John's first epistle of 1 John. He, uh, the idea of fellowship here I think is the idea of fellowship through joy. Fellowship through joy. Look at verse number 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. There ought to be some fellowship, and we gather together with joy. When you gather with friends and with family, we don't gather together, at least I hope we don't. We don't gather together with a, with a, a, a long face and with uh, just tears all the time and, and just dreading to get together. No, we get together because we love one another, and there's joy in getting together. I love to come to church. Why? Because I have joy with you. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy ministering with you and being ministered to. I enjoy the singing. I enjoy the preaching, uh, even though if it is me. I enjoy doing these things. I enjoy when others preach. I always enjoy being, when I'm away, to, to make sure that I spend time in going back and watching the live streams. Why? Because I just long to be here. I long to be with you. This is this fellowshipping that's through joy. And this, when the Lord brings this together. And the idea here is that it's God's joy. It's the joy of the Lord. These things write unto you that your joy may be full. John wants the Christian to enter into all the benefits that Christ has made possible for every single one of us. And he calls it the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. You know, it's only the Christian can, that can really have fullness of joy. Proverbs says, the way of the transgressor is hard. Is hard. An unsaved person may have pleasure for a season in their sin, but they can never have an experienced joy. Not the kind of joy that the Bible describes a joy that's everlasting an unsaved man cannot have joy he may have that pleasure for a season but then it'll end but when the christian there's a joy that's everlasting pleasure comes from circumstances but joy comes from contentment 
Contentment in Christ. Contentment in the Lord. Long-faced Christians, when we are this way, we are not good advertisements for the joy of the Lord. We just, we're just not good advertisements. Uh, God doesn't want us to be long-faced and be down and be downcast and, and always kind of bad-mouthing the fact that God hadn't done this or I missed out on this or this is this way or this is that way. What about the joy of the Lord? We ought to thank God for this idea of fellowship and the fellowshipping is around joy. This joy that God gives us, notice with me, is His joy. It's not something that I just have to work up. It's not something I have to try to conjure up. It's not something I just have to put on a, a, a smile when everything else is, is down in the pit. Because the joy that we're talking about here is His joy that's given to us. It's joy in us. And that joy that He puts in us is a joy that remains in us. And this joy is full. Go with me to the Gospel of John. Hold your place here and go with me to John chapter 15 and verse number 11. John 15 and verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. God puts it there, and He wants it to be a full kind of joy. Go with me to chapter 16 and verse number 24. Chapter 16 and verse number 24. Hereunto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. There's nothing like asking the Lord and seeing the Lord answer prayer and come through in meeting needs that expresses joy and causes joy to well up from within. He says, ask, ask according to the will of God that your joy may be full. Look at chapter 17 and verse number 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. God wants us to have this joy. If we go back to the, the second uh, small epistle of John, Second John chapter uh, chapter, there's only one chapter there, verse number 12. Second uh, John, verse number 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. There's something about joy and there's something about a common bond that we have together as believers that God gives us and he puts into our heart and it's this fellowship of joy. We ought to be happy people. We ought to be happy people. I wonder why oftentimes we're not. I think we can become selfish people and become unhappy. We can become worldly people and become unhappy. But if we're going to have true fellowship, we're going to have that fellowship in joy. This joy is His joy that He puts within us. This joy is not something that's a foreign concept. It's not some idea out there. It's not just some philosophy that somebody's trying to promote. I want us to understand this joy is experienced. If we go back to 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. This is an experienced kind of joy. 
For the life was manifested, and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. We experienced that joy firsthand. We saw it. We felt it. We heard it. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may also have fellowship with us. He's inviting us to enter into this experienced fellowship, the same fellowship that they had, we also can have as well. They heard it, they saw it, they handled it. Evidence, this joy that we can experience, we can experience because of the fact that we are accepted in the Beloved. You ever been around some people or been around a situation where just you just didn't feel like you fit in? They'll never be in a church, by the way. But been in a place where, you know, I just don't feel like I fit in. Why? Because I just don't feel like I was accepted in a certain way. When it comes to Jesus Christ, understand this experience, this joy, comes out of the fact that we have been accepted in the beloved. We have been invited. We've been brought into the fold. We've been partakers of that family of God. Not only the acceptance, we see that out of... Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the acceptance, that cleansing of sin. Then we see not only the acceptance that brings that joy, but we see the assignment that brings that joy. And look at it again in verse number 7. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The assignment that God has given us. What is the assignment? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. To live the Christian life. To be obedient to the word of God. God has given an assignment to each and every one of us. We are on assignment tonight. What is our assignment? To glorify the Lord. By the way, it's not us that we are to glorify. If we're born again, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies. That assignment, that acceptance, all of these things are evidences of the joy and ought to bring us into the realization that we can have joy in Christ. Are you accepted tonight in the beloved? Have you been born again? Then there ought to be some joy that's attached to that. Are you living in the will of God? Are you following the assignment that God has placed for you? Then that ought to give us some joy this evening. There's that fellowship that comes through joy. Many of God's children, and I I believe it's true, and I think we all can tend to get there at times. We may have once had that joy, but the Bible talks about having left our first love. And so we had that joy, but we've lost that joy. We can allow things to rob our, our, our joy from us. We can allow circumstances. We can allow Uh, issues around us, the world situation, family, relationships to, to rob us of our joy. But it ought not be. John tells us that sin robs us of joy. Sin robs us of joy. Sin robs us of that spiritual fellowship. In verse 6, if we say 
we have fellowship with Him. And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we've not sinned, we make Him a liar and the Word is not in us. Sin will turn off that spiritual tap of joy that God wants to pour into our lives. So we begin to ask the question, why do I not have joy? I think a good place to start is to say, Lord, is there anything in me that's caused you to turn off that tap of joy in my life? Or allow me, I've just said no to the Lord. I've just said, no, God, I'm not going to live in obedience. I'm not going to do what you've called me to do. This matter of sin. And how can we turn this if we've lost our joy? I hope you haven't. But if you've lost your joy, how can we turn it? How can we be made full again? He tells us if we confess our sins, He who is God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we've lost our joy, He invites us to come back and get it again. How do we do that? Simply by coming to the Lord. Lord, I've sinned. Lord, I've done wrong. Lord, I've lost my joy, and I want you to restore it unto me. When sin is confessed and put away, the spiritual joy now is brought back and it's restored. It's not something you have to try to pump up or get somebody else to pump it up in you. It it comes out of of an individual. It comes from a soul that's confessed its sin before the Lord. Can I tell you, there's a release in confession of sin. There's a release that comes when we go to the Lord in prayer and we confess. All that sweet release that can only come through the forgiveness of sin. And God wipes away those sins. We ought to thank God that He's given us the privilege for fellowship. First of all, notice with me, there's the fellowship through joy. Are you a joyful Christian tonight? If you're not joyful tonight, then there's something wrong with the fellowship. And I want to encourage you tonight... Let's do as the Bible says. Let's get back in that fellowship, enjoying that joy with and through the Lord. Not only is John in his first epistle, he talks about fellowship through joy, but he talks secondly about fellowship through purity. Through purity. And we've already kind of mentioned it here. He's talking about this matter of sin. There's a fellowship that comes and can only come with the Lord when there's this matter of purity. If we look at chapter 2 and verse number 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. That you sin not. Here we find John's second idea or thought with regards to the joy that God wants to have with us. And the thing that breaks that joy, breaks that fellowship, is this matter of sin. Impure things in our lives. And I want us to understand that John, here in this letter, this small letter, is he's writing this letter to promote godliness in the lives of God's people. He's writing to promote godliness. Provoke one another to good works. You ever been provoked? Uh, You ever get provoked to anger? I think all of us. How many times do we ever get provoked to righteousness? Provoked to good works. John here is encouraging us and he's promoting, he's provoking to good works. The purpose of this writing is that we sin not. We sin not. This is a stated purpose 
that John has given us here. A stated purpose. And I want us to understand that when it comes to this matter of sin, John didn't give any leeway. Jesus didn't give any leeway. There's no such thing as acceptable. There's no such thing as a a gray line. He doesn't give any leeway for the child of God for us to practice sins. These things I write unto you that you sin not. And and the Bible here, and and I understand punctuation is is maybe not uh, the Holy Spirit uh, put there, but there's a period there. Why did he write this? So that we sin not, period. Someone says, well, can I maybe have a social drink every now and then? No, you can't. Maybe I can just let out a few uh, choice words every now and then. Particularly, I mean, everybody gets a little angry now and then. No, we can't. How about I just maybe have that bad attitude or, or, or yeah, I, I'm, I'm criticizing or I, I, maybe I'm griping and I'm complaining. And God understands and he knows. Uh, no, we can't. God didn't give us this leeway. John didn't give us this leeway. He gives us no, nothing here, but he says simply, run to the Lord. He says, I write this to just sin not. The stated purpose, the child of God... We ought not expect to sin. We ought not expect to sin. It ought not be something that's just a habit in our lives. Well, that's just who I am. Or that's just the way I was raised. Or it's, if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't be this way. We somehow pleasantly excuse or disguise our sin. We ought not expect sin. But we are to expose sin. We... Not to do anything in our lives that would excuse sin in our lives. Many times we're more, I think, accustomed to defeat. We become so accustomed to the defeat of sin. Well, that's just happened again and happened again. It's always this way. It's the sin that that so easily beset me. We just become accustomed to it. And when we become accustomed to sin, we oftentimes surprise when we have victory over it. But it ought to be just the other way around. Victory ought to be the regularity. And the falling to sin, the sin that comes in our life, ought to be the thing that we are surprised about. But so oftentimes we live on the other side of that equation. So the stated purpose that you sin not, sin in the life of the child of God should should be unusual. It ought to be... Uh, unintentional, it, it ought to be never planned, it ought to be never pondered upon. When a Christian sin, his art, heart attitude ought to be that, that God didn't want me to do that, and I'll do everything I can to get back upon her and to bring my heart right in a right alignment with God. Because what God promotes and what John promotes here, he promotes that of purity, a life of purity, a life that protects fellowship understand that sin can break that fellowship but he's promoting something that protects it that of purity so we see a stated purpose sin not but we also see out of this verse in chapter 2 and verse number 1 we see a sad possibility if any man sin if any man sin now I want us to make sure here and we understand that. He says, I write this that you sin not. But if any man sin, God does not 
make the practice of sin acceptable. Never know how in any case at any time. Amen to that? God does not make the practice of sin acceptable. But he does recognize that sin is possible in our lives. He recognizes that. I'm glad that the Lord, when he, put, when he penned the Bible, he didn't put sinless, perfect people other than Jesus Christ. He didn't paint the picture of everybody living in perfection. You know what he showed us? People who were sinful. People who struggled. People who had real issues of life, just like you and I do. God does not make the practice of sin acceptable. But he does recognize sin is possible. Why? Because we have an adversary. The devil is a roaring lion. We have that adversary. We have that sinful flesh. That that nature we're born prone to wonder. That nature that's born sinful. A sinful nature by birth. A sinful nature by choice. Recognizes these things. He recognizes that we're weak. He recognizes that we live in a sinful world. And as we talked about this morning, that defilement that oftentimes can come upon us and come into our lives. I write these things unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, I want us to see what he says. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. We have an advocate whose name is Jesus Christ. Joy comes. That fellowship is restored. That purity is restored. That joy is restored in that fellowship. It comes when sin is confessed, when it's repented of and forgiven. There is a way out for my sin. There's a way out of my sin. His name is Jesus Christ. He didn't make it acceptable. But he does give us the opportunity To say, you know what, when it happens. And oh, that it may never happen. But when it does, we got a way. We got an advocate. Someone that's on our side. Someone that's, that's forever making intercession for us. Joy comes. And as a matter of fact, I think this joy comes in knowing that I have an advocate. What a friend. No other friend like Jesus. Joy comes in knowing that he's on my side. He's not going to turn his back upon me. When I'm not faithful, he's always faithful. And there's the joy of fellowship. Fellowship through joy. There's a fellowship through purity. And then there's a fellowship in truth. How are we going to have fellowship with the Lord? There's, John makes mention of fellowship that comes by way of truth. If you go with me to the second chapter in verse number 26... These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Those that seduce, those who bring false teaching. There's this matter of fellowship. And fellowship always has to be gathered. And it has to be founded upon. I mentioned earlier about this matter of truth. It cannot be those who deceive us. It cannot be those who are seeking to seduce us for their own gain. Or try to draw us away or lie to us. John understands and he knows the dangers of these kinds of things. 
He says in verse number 18, little children is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. Therefore, we, whereby, excuse me, we know that it is the last time. We're always living in the danger zone with regards to these false teachers. And so we got to understand that this fellowship that we have with Christ has to be founded in this book, in this Bible, in this Word of God. There's a fellowship within truth. There are all sorts of false teachers. And they are literally all around us that will make the Bible. There's this thing called in the latter days, those who will come tickling our ears, telling us what we want to hear. No longer preaching the Bible, preaching an assemblance of the Bible, but saying nothing against sin, saying nothing against God's standard for living. So there's an issue of truth. You can't have fellowship with someone who is not truthful with you. Jesus Christ is truthful. Fellowship in joy. Fellowship in purity. Fellowship in truth. And then lastly, notice with me, there's the fellowship in hope. Fellowship in hope. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 13. The fellowship in hope. Chapter 5 and verse number 13. Let's just read all the passages, 13 through 15. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know. That ye may know. Would you mark in your Bibles if you hadn't done that already? That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us... Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. There's this matter of confidence. There's this matter of knowing. There's a fellowship that comes in knowing that I'm born again. That no matter what happens, Jesus is my Savior. That hope, that hope can only come through knowing that if I die today, I know where I'm going Heaven is my home. There's that fellowship and hope. Fellowship in knowing the truth of God's word. Every Christian can know, should know that they're saved. Do you not, tonight, do you know for sure? And so many people struggle. So many people struggle with their salvation. Am I saved or am I not saved? When I walked an aisle as a kid, did I say the right thing? Did I understand the right facts? And oftentimes that's brought about because of this matter of fellowship. We've allowed things to come in. To cloud our vision, our walk with the Lord. This matter of fellowship, we can know and we should know. If you don't know tonight, I encourage you, I beg you to make sure that you're saved. That you're on your way to heaven. John, he writes this epistle and he writes this letter. So that we might have the assurance of salvation. The assurance of salvation. There's nothing like having that assurance. That you may know that you have eternal life. No child of God should go, will, can go to any spiritual progression. No individual can ever grow in the Lord if he doesn't have that blessed hope. That assurance of his salvation. It's essential. It's essential for spiritual growth. And I think sometimes the devil, he knows this very well. So he'll pounce on that. He'll pounce on that. And he'll keep us in that merry-go-round of doubt. 
always back and forth, always going around. Let me ask you tonight, settle it tonight. If you don't know for sure, settle it tonight. Get the devil off your back. How am I in the world? Am I going to get it settled? Walk in fellowship. How do I know that I'm saved? Believe the word of God. It's not what you've done, but it's what Christ has done for you. So I take him at his word. I take him at his word. And I hold to that. I cling to that. My hope is in him. It's not in what I've done, but it's what Christ has done. The story is told... D.L. Moody in a revival meeting he met a man on, on the street corner and he asked Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody asked him if he was going to heaven, if he knew he was a Christian. He said, well, I think so, but I got a problem. He said, sometimes I doubt my salvation. Then he asked Mr. Moody if he had a book that he could read, if he had something that he could point him to to help him settle this. And he got out a pen and a piece of paper Mr. Moody simply opened up his Bible and he pointed him to 1 John. Therein do we find fellowship. Therein do we find assurance. Read this little letter. Read this epistle about fellowship. There's the fellowship through joy. Do you have joy tonight? Is there joy in your walk with the Lord? Fellowship through purity. Is there anything in your life tonight that would cloud your walk with God? The fellowship through purity. Nothing between us and the Savior. I've confessed anything that God's shown me, I'm willing to confess. And I think sometimes that's the issue. God's shown it to us time and time again, but we're not willing to recognize it and confess it. Simply, confession is agreeing with God about what God says about the matter. We tend to argue with God about the matter and God says I don't need you to argue with me about it I just need you to believe the truth and have fellowship in the truth and agree on the matter again our fellowship is not based on what we think it's based upon what God says he's the one that truly determines it fellowship through joy fellowship through purity fellowship in the truth of God's word fellowship and hope if Jesus were to come back tonight where are you going if you just step out in eternity, where are you going? Is your hope only in Jesus Christ and Him alone? Let me ask us tonight as we close. How is our fellowship? Now, when we say the last prayer in just a few moments and, and we're dismissed, I love it because there's fellowship that goes on. Sometimes the fellowship goes on long after dark. And, and, and occasionally somebody, it might be the preacher or the preacher's wife may go over there and flip the lights and tick, tick, you know just put, helping it along a little bit you know uh, it's good when people don't want to leave church I, I don't want to go to a church when as soon as the last amen is it, the doors are, the exit centers are just jam-packed and everybody just can't wait to get out it, at least around here it's hard to get down the aisle because people are fellowshipping you love one another you care for one another. You pray for one another. There's joy in that fellowship. There's purity in that fellowship. There's truth and there's hope. And the same thing is true with our Lord and Savior. It begins there. This fellowship that we have here tonight as a body of believers is all founded upon our fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How is your fellowship tonight?
Is it where it needs to be? Is it where it could be? Is it where God wants it to be? Have we evaluated it based upon what we think? Or is it evaluated on what God says? Let's get it under the right magnifying glass tonight. And let's let God show us. How's our fellowship? Let's bow in prayer if we could please. Father, we want to come to you tonight. I want to thank you for this sweet fellowship that you invite us to. Lord, you not only invite us, but you have made every provision. You've made every way. You have paved the way through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we may come and have that fellowship. And you invite us and you say, come, come, come. Tonight, may we do that very thing. If there's anyone here tonight that, Lord, we can look at our lives and we can see how sometimes we can... Be strained. Our fellowship with you can be strained. It can be stretched. Lord, we evaluate it based upon our thinking, the world's thinking, the philosophy of the world. But I pray that tonight we'd come back to the, to the Bible. And our fellowship would be truly what you say. Lord, you'd long to be with us. And I pray that we'd have that true and same longing. And I pray tonight for somebody here tonight saved. Lord, may tonight be the night of salvation. To enter into that fellowship for the first time and forever. And for the Christian tonight, there may be something that's in the way. We've allowed to get in the way or we've put in the way. Um, or intentionally or maybe not intentionally. Maybe it's something large that we might see and we might recognize. Maybe it's simple, simply an attitude or, or something along these. A, a, a spirit of bitterness. Grumpy spirit, a hard-hearted heart, or an unwillingness to, to respond, a stubbornness. Well, I don't know. But I know that these things can oftentimes identify me. Well, I'm sure they can identify us all. So I pray tonight, anything you've shown us, anything that needs to be made right, Lord, may our fellowship, may we walk out of here tonight. Certainly being right with one another. But Lord, it can never be right, truly right, until it's made right with you. So tonight, help us to do that very thing. And Lord, we'll praise your name. Joy be restored. We'll praise your name and say thank you for all of eternity, for what you've done in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name and thank you for what you'll do even now. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen.